um, in God's Word, looking at God's Word in James. Our series in James actually starts today when we deal with the text itself. Uh, we're going to look at verse 2 of chapter 1. Actually, I'm going to read verse 2 to verse 3, I mean to verse, verse 4, and we'll continue with God's Word for us this morning. James chapter 1, verse 2 to verse 4. This is God's word. Let us hear him. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And this is God's word for us. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word that is true. We thank you for your word that is sufficient. We thank you for your word that is authoritative. And we pray that you use it to speak to our lives to draw us to yourself, to sanctify us, to mature us in the faith. Even as we hear you speak to us today, we pray that you open our eyes, open our hearts, our minds, and affect our will with your word. For the sake of your name and your kingdom, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a few questions. I want to deal with this uh, a passage on the topic responding to trials responding to trials there's someone at the back uh, responding to trials let me ask you a, a few questions how do you respond to God when things are not going your way uh, do you trust him in storms of life or do you turn away from him in anger and disappointment uh, these are questions that are important to think about or to examine our hearts as we consider them I believe that that God brings trials in our lives to expose us to what we truly believe uh, let, me, let me explain it this way there is professed faith and there is a functioning faith right the, the, the professed faith is what we, we, we know. We know about God. We know about God as he reveals himself in his word. And the functional faith is the faith that we live by. And my goal here as I bring this to you is that your professed faith will uh, uh, um, uh, also be equal to your functional faith. In other words, there are times when we face difficulties and what we know at that moment does not bear does not come to bear with how we respond does that make sense right i believe that god brings trust as i said to to reveal in our hearts what we truly believe and what we truly stand on it is easy when things are going your way when things are going well in your life to speak about trust and hope in God, right? 
but, but it means more when we experience trials, whether small trials or, or great trials, to still even say through tears and, and heartache, my faith, my, my trust is firmly fixed in God. And though I know not what he is up to, I trust that he acts in wisdom, love, and care in the midst of difficulty. On the other hand, one, when one experiences trial, whether small or, or great, uh, and the first response is anger against God, it is doubt, it is, it is turning away from God and his people, it, it is at this moment that one needs to, to realize that God, by his grace, has brought this trial to reveal what they truly believe so that they can repent and trust in him. Right? James, in these verses that I just read, wants us to see that there is a way that God wants us to respond to trials. Uh, This way is made possible, we must also acknowledge, is made possible for us through Christ and then the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ has purchased all this for us through his death on the cross, through his burial and resurrection. And so, uh, uh, James is calling us to this reality that has been given to us by God. So I want us to see here, to, uh, as we look, at, we look at this passage, James answers the question here, how do we respond to trials in a godly way? How do we respond to trials in a godly way? And so we respond to trials in three ways. There are three ways how to respond to trials in a godly way. And just maybe to give you uh, what we're going to do, an outline of, of, of this, we are going to deal with it over a course of three weeks. So we, we, uh, three ways how to handle trials in a godly way. First, we handle trials with a joyful attitude. And secondly, an understanding mind. And thirdly, a submissive heart. A joyful attitude, an understanding mind, a submissive heart. Let us look at first the first way of responding to trials in a, God, in a godly way, a joyful attitude. Look at verse 2, a joyful attitude. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. The, the, the Jewish Christians that James writes to here were, were facing some kind of trial. And, and possibly... This is the thing as well that caused them to be scattered throughout the land. Remember when he writes to them in verse 1, he says to the, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, that they are dispersed, they are in the diaspora, they are outside Jerusalem. And possibly this could be because of the persecution that they were experiencing externally. And as well, when we look at the, the, the letter that James writes, there were also other trials that they were experiencing uh, personally in the church. James addresses the way they respond to trials of various kinds in the opening of the letter. He starts by saying to them, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He instructs them to respond to trials, first of all, with a joyful attitude. The the, the word trial is the Greek word perismos, which means to to test or, or to prove. It gives us the idea of a person under trial um, in, in, in the court of law and the truthfulness of their testimony is put to the test by way of questioning them. In the same way, 
the, the, the faith of a Christian is put to the test by God to reveal whether it is genuine or not. And God performs this task by using trials. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a parable of the sower who went out to sow, when you look at verse 3. The, the, the sower sowed on, on, on four types of, 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 of grounds, or on four types of soil. On one ground that Jesus, one of the grounds that Jesus talks about is in verse 5 to verse 6. Listen to what Jesus says about this ground. He says, other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had not root, they withered away. In verse 20 to verse 21 of Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explains this parable. He says that the meaning of this parable is this. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation, listen to this, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. You see that? Tribulation, persecution arises because, on account of the word. And instead of counting a joy, he falls away. What we need to know is that God uses trials and, and tribulation to reveal who is a genuine Christian and who is a fake Christian. Fake Christians do not pass God's test of genuineness. They, they, they will never pass it. right? James is completely aware of the reality here of the undesirableness of trials. And we need to acknowledge that. Indeed, no Christian in their right mind goes around looking for trials, right? Nobody goes around looking for trials and say, where, where are trials? Come and test me. Nobody wants trials. On the other hand, though we don't want trials, we must also admit that they are inevitable. They will come. Oftentimes, this reality is unwelcome, which means that a lot of Christians are ill-prepared for trials. This is seen in the way they respond, right? There's a, there's a couple of ways people respond to trials in a way that is not biblical, in a way that is not pleasing to God. First of all, uh, let, let me just highlight those ways. Doubt. First of all, they start by doubting God. Well, when you face trials and you start to doubt the love of God and the power of God, right? You doubt whether God is with you. you. You doubt whether God still cares, whether God still loves you, thinking that God does not care about you anymore. Remember in, in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, where Jesus Christ rebukes the disciples when they lost faith uh, in him during a storm in the boat. He says to them, as he responds, Matthew chapter 14, verse 31, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Because the doubt is not about the, the trial itself. The doubt is about the ability of God. We are doubting the ability of God. And secondly, people respond to trials by, 
being anxious, by anxiety, worry, right? Instead of looking to God in your time of trial, you focus more on your situation and disobey the word of God that says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication through thanksgiving, make your request known to God and the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. Right? We become anxious. Anger. We respond in anger to trials. This is responding by questioning the goodness of the Lord. By, by, by questioning the wisdom of God. Thinking that if I were to take the seat of God now, I will do a better job than God. Thinking that God does not know what he's doing. That God is being unfair. Why is this happening to me? These are ungodly ways of responding to trials. But James here offers us a godly way to respond. He says, count it all joy. Right? Count it all joy. The, the word count can also be translated consider. Meaning that they should consider that trials as something to rejoice about. In other words, you should not consider it as punishment or, or a curse. Right? Or witchcraft. Or a disaster. We, we should not consider it as a strange thing. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 13. Listen to God's word. Right? Listen to what God says in his word. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 13. Beloved, do not think it a strange thing. Do not think it, think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. He goes again in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. Listen to what he says. He says, yet if anyone suffers, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. This is the testimony of God's word. We, 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 but again, let me, let me just caution you as you hear this. We should be cautious of using truth in an unloving and insensitive way. Right? James chapter 1 verse 2 is obviously not the first thing, the first verse you pull out to someone who just received bad news of being retrenched at work or who just lost a loved one. It's not the first thing that you pull out of your memory uh, bank and, and just uh, give it to them. When you hear about uh, uh, people in, in, in New Zealand who have just been shot uh, 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 you don't go to their families at that moment and say, count it all joy. When you hear about uh, people in, 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 in Zimbabwe, in, in Malawi, in Mozambique who, who have suffered this great loss because of Cyclone Ida, you don't go to them and say, count it all joy. We, we, we take our cue first from Jesus Christ, right? Remember when Mary and Martha lost Lazarus, their brother? Jesus Christ 
uh, although he knew that God had a purpose in this thing, he did not say the f that, that was not the first thing that came out of his mouth, although it was true. He went there, and first of all, he grieved with them, right? He comforted them. He wept with them. Sometimes you just need to be there for people who are grieving, who are going through trials. You just, you don't have to say anything at that moment. Just be there and comfort them. Right? We should take our cue from Jesus Christ. We should learn from him. Daniel Doriani explains that when James says believers should rejoice in trials because they, they test our faith and develop our maturity, he addresses more than the hour of crisis or sorrow. James wants the church to live out its faith in the crucible of life, in all its tests. Close quote. He, he, he continues in, in verse 2, here saying, when you, meet, when you meet various kinds of trials, right? When you meet various kinds of trials, he uses the words various kinds to describe the trials that they were going through. The, the, the word various is the Greek word poikilos, poikilos, which means many colors, right? Various colors. Giving us the idea that trials come in different ways to different people. It is the same Greek word used in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, describing that Jesus healed people of various diseases and pains. Right? If you were to do a study of biblical characters who, 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 who went through trials, you will discover an overwhelming evidence that trials come in different ways to different people. Right? Let us do that, that um, for, for, for 30 seconds. Let us do that study. Think about Abraham and Sarah. They were barren for years, right? That was a trial. Jacob, he lost his wife in childbirth. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and when things started looking up in Egypt, he was falsely accused of rape and thrown in jail for 12 years. Job lost his children, his wealth, and health. David had a son who wanted to kill him for the throne, and he had to run away to save his life. And not only that, but again, when he when, when, when Bathsheba gave birth to a son, days after he was born, he, was di he died. Even after David spent days praying and fasting for the boy. Daniel as well was taken into captivity and made a eunuch. He, he, uh, let's, uh, let me explain this a bit. First of all, he was taken into captivity at, at the age of 13, right? Which means, uh, when we think about it, he will never see his family again. He will never see his close relatives again. 
he is taken into a strange land into captivity at the age of 13. Not only that, but when he arrives, the, the, the cultural practice around these kinds of uh, um, uh, uh, positions that they were giving Daniel was that they make them eunuchs. Right? I'm not going to explain that further, but let me explain the implication. It means that he will never have a family of his own. He will never be able to father a child. Right? You look at the life of Daniel. He never got married because they made him a eunuch. Think about the New Testament. We are told about a man, Lazarus, was very poor. In, in such a way, he was content to eat the leftovers from another man's table. The, the term various kinds of trials is fitting to describe what these men and women experienced. Furthermore, two things stand out as we look at uh, uh, the, the list of these men and women. Not trial has overtaken you, first of all. That is not common to men. That's the first thing that we must think about, right? You are not the first to go through trial, but again, we don't say that when someone is going through a trial. We comfort them, and we come alongside them. We grieve with them, right? Secondly, what we need to see is that trials do not come only to those who do not know God. There's a false idea today that is being preached from pulpits that when you come to Christ, your life will be smooth and you will never have any trouble. What we see overwhelmingly in the Bible is trials also come to those who are uh, closer to God, to those who are Christians as well. Think about Abraham. Abraham was referred to in the Bible as a friend of God. Think about David. He was referred to as a man after God's own heart. Job. Job is described in this way. He's described as a man, blameless and upright, who feared God and turned away from evil. Yet these men still experienced great trial in their lives. Note also, as James writes to, this, to these people, that he refers to these people as my brothers. Count it all joy, my brothers. Indicating that these people were in the faith. Right? Indicating that they were Christians. They were walking with God. Yet they are going through trials and tribulation. And James says, my brothers. With this we should observe that trials do not come as a sign of God's disapproval. Right? They do not come as a sign of God's disapproval, but from the loving hand of a God who has a bigger plan that we can ever, ever imagine. These trials that we meet come when we least expect them, right? The, the word meet here, when you meet trials of various kinds, the word meet, it can also be translated to fall among or to fall into, which gives us the idea of being unexpectedly surrounded. I remember one evening when I was about 14 years of age, I was sent to, to, buy, to buy lotion at the local shop. And as I went, I went, I went back home, I, I, I didn't know that I was being followed 
um, by two men who were much older and stronger than me. All of a sudden, I was surrounded, and, and I had an, a big arm around my neck, and one was searching me, and I couldn't do anything about it except shout for help. It, it happened without a warning, and I didn't expect something like that to happen to me. This is the same idea that James is communicating to the Christians here. The, the idea that trials come by surprise. They are not given the invitation card. No one invites the death of a loved one or, or sickness or, or any type of pain. But they do come. The word meat is the same word that that is used in Luke chapter 10, verse 30, describing a man who was going down to Jericho. And Jesus says, He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. The poor man did not expect to meet robbers as he was going to Jericho. For him, it was a normal day. And possibly, it was not the first time he passed by that road. But today, he suddenly fell among robbers. And that is the idea. Trials come when you least expect them. And James says, when these things come, count it all joy. The, the, the words all joy corresponds to the words various kinds, which reflects that all trials that are met must be counted joy and not just some selected trials, right? J James wants to press this idea and says all, in fact, all trials are to be received with the same attitude. When you look at the Greek, uh, the Greek text, the emphasis is on the word all. Um, that's how the sentence starts. It says all joy my brothers all joy the reason he does not he does this is because he is mindful that Christians have a tendency to pick and choose which trials to count joy and which ones to complain about right we have that tendency they, they, they respond something like this I can count it all joy when I become sick I I, I have flu because I know in a few days time that flu will be gone but if I lose my job God you are going too far if you notice again James says when you meet trials of various kinds what doesn't he say he doesn't say if you meet trials of various kinds let us zoom into that a bit when he says, when, he means that trials in the lives of Christians are to be expected. In fact, you can think about it in these three categories. I think I've said it before. It's either a Christian has went through a trial, past tense, or is currently going through a trial, present tense, or will go through a trial, future those are the three categories we find ourselves under the sun. Think about the word of God as well. Jesus Christ in John chapter 16 verse 33 says, 
I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Listen to this. In the world, you will. It's a statement of fact and reality. You will have tribulation. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, listen to this. Paul says to the church in Philippi, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, listen, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And he says this has been granted to you. Remember that even Paul as he writes this, this letter to them, he's experiencing a trial of his own. Right? He doesn't know if he's going to be released from jail or if he's going to be killed for his faith, but he still calls them to rejoice in the Lord always. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul writes his final letter. Let us think about it. Paul writes his final letter, and this time he's sure that he's about to be executed for his faith. And this young man, Timothy, is receiving this letter. He is, he is afraid. He is timid. He is tempted to leave ministry. He is tempted to run away. But Paul writes to this young man and encourages, encourages him to stay, to do the work of ministry, to not give up, to preach the word. Listen to what he says in chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He says, indeed, all, right? <laughs> it encompasses everyone. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. Do you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? <laughs> the Bible says, without a doubt, you will be persecuted. It doesn't say your house will double. It doesn't say your bank account will be fat. It doesn't say those things. It doesn't say your health will, will, will always be perpetually good. It says you will be persecuted. Job chapter 5 verse 7. Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Job chapter, Job chapter 14 verse 1. Man who is born of a woman. Even a woman who is born of a woman is of few days and full of of trouble. Psalm chapter 22 verse 11. Be not far from me for trouble is near. Doesn't it remind you of the song I need you every hour? I need you. Although yes we are not to invite trials in our lives we should always expect that they will come the, the life of a Christian is not a life of ease it is as the book of Job says full of trouble we, we, we should know this because every Sunday we pray for Christians that are being persecuted 
We, we, we pray for Christians. Today we are praying for Christians in Yemen. That when they become a Christian, it's either they are, they are sent away. It's either they, they, they are forced into uh, marriage with Muslims or, or even killed for their faith. We, we, we read about this. This is a reality of a Christian in this world. Let, let me praise this point even further and say this. If your life was going well, if you had everything in this world that you wanted, you had perpetual health, you had perpetual wealth, you had, you had prosperity and all, all kinds of things that you want, would you desire heaven? Would you desire to be with God in heaven? No. James tells us here, our Christians will face trials. The psalmist says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 18a, he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. And James tells us that when we face them, we should count it all joy. To, to, the, to, to an unbelieving person, it seems like a crazy thing to tell someone who is going through a difficult time to rejoice. But it is not so with the word of God. The testimony of scripture shows us that Christians must be marked by joy even when they are going through trials. First Peter chapter 1 verse 6, after giving a beautiful description of being born again to a living hope, Peter says, in this you rejoice, though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. The Christians are people who should be marked by joy and difficulty. This joy is not based on how we feel about our circumstances, but on what we know about God. What we know about God. We know that God is in control, that he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him, for, for those who love him, and those who are called according to his purposes. That is what gives us joy. We don't rejoice because the trial is here. We rejoice because God is with us. And we rejoice because God is wise. He's loving and he's sovereign. The apostles were arrested for, from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were beaten after being commanded not to preach about Jesus Christ. And after that, we are told in Acts chapter 5 verse 41. Listen to this. Very important. Listen to this. After they were beaten for preaching Christ. It says... Acts chapter 5 verse 41. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Rejoicing. The trial itself is no joy, right? The trial itself is no joy. But knowing that God's sovereign hand is upon us when we go through trials is a cause for joy. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ faced a trial himself. And the Bible describes him in Mark chapter 14, verse 34, as sorrowful to the point of death. But it is in the midst of the sorrow that he had joy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, calls us to look to Jesus in running the race of faith. It says, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set at the right hand of God, who for the joy... In the midst of the sorrow he had of facing the shame and humiliation over the cross, he had joy set before him. Let me conclude by saying this. 
trials teach us to be faithful and to live with integrity before God. They, they help us to depend upon God. Uh, trials are not a mark of God's disfavor, but of his interest in our development. Christians are the, of the highest character go through deep waters. Uh, deep waters produce character. Joseph's attitude toward the adversity that he was facing was acceptance of God's plan for his life. Think about G Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. This is what he says to his brothers. He had every opportunity to destroy them. He had the power to do that. But listen to what he says. But as for you, referring to his brothers, you meant evil against me. Listen to this perspective now. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. God meant it for good. You see, resentfulness, self-pity, and bitterness toward trial reveal a weak faith. The person who rests in the Lord during pressure demonstrates a powerful faith and knows that God has a purpose. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, God puts all trials into our lives to test us for his approval. Caring, caring the right attitude under pressure demonstrates our confidence in God when things do not go our way. Confidence in God's plan produces strong and mature believers. These are Christians who know that all trials are not a mark of God's disapproval of them, but evidence of the authenticity of their faith. How we react, as I asked, as we started, shows how strong our faith truly is. Amen. Lord, our hope is in you. We trust in you. We believe in you. But often we are like that man who says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help us, oh God, when we go through the fires of trials, when we go through the deep waters of suffering. Help us to look to you, trust in you, rejoice in you, glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.